In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, Melech Dawith, that is King David, brings the people of God together and he brings out the Ark Berith, the Ark of the Covenant. And in front of the Ark of the Covenant, he dances, David, before it with all his might. In St. Mark's Gospel, Herodias dances in front of Herod and his guest, and she pleases them. So I guess today is Dance Fever Sunday. (laughs) Today's collect reads, O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may know and understand what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them. Usually the aim of such intercessions boils down to loving as Jesus loved and still loves, to act and, if possible, to react lovingly with all your heart and soul and mind and body in his manner. And that launches us toward how to be in Christ's love. So just as Dr. Paul Quinette has written a book entitled Fishing Lessons, and the book has nothing to do with fishing, except it does. It talks a little bit about its misspent youth. But it was actually a book about a spiritual treasure trove of maturation and growth. So there is a new book out by Megan Flaherty entitled Tango Lessons, and much the same as Quinette's book. It isn't actually only about dance techniques, but about the spiritual trove of how we can learn to treat others who are different from ourselves. Mrs. Flaherty writes thusly, I fell in love with the tango in New York City, but no matter where you travel in the world or whose embrace you take, tango is tango. You'll take a stranger in your arms, no questions asked, and you cuddle. You will listen to the same song and thump along the floor to a beat. The pulse echoes up through your feet and you thud in unison. You hold this person's hand, usually a stranger. And between songs you might even make even-tempered small talk. She further writes, It turns out that the tango was a really good teacher for my husband and for me and it offered classic lessons on spirituality we wouldn't have gotten. We go to church, but the tango's a special kind of teacher. You see, she says, in the dance we embrace each other, we take into account one another's comfort with our pace and the pressure. We compromise to compensate for differences in height and weight and skill. We listen to each other, listen to the music. We negotiate our way on the crowded dance floor. We are indulgent, expressive, courteous when things go wrong. We take great mutual care of one another. And if we step on one another's feet, and we do, we laugh out loud and say it's okay because we're just dancing. 
So I wonder if we're capable of this intimacy when dancing, could it not be expected of us also that we are capable in other areas of our life as well? Perhaps we can share life's dance floor with more accommodation in the days ahead. So I remembered the proverb Jesus used once. We played our flutes piping to you in the marketplace, but you would not dance. We mourned to you, but you would not weep. He was talking about missing divine opportunities, about closing off from others because they're different, as if that's a sufficient method to grow in Christ. Community, say the saints, is about soul-making. It's good for us. It's hard, but it's good. It stretches our boundaries and expands limits. It broadens one's horizons to realize just how large the world really is. And that's how God made it, large. And he said it is good. So we should keep looking until we see that this entire world has something to offer that's godly. Jesus took others into his life, and they were different from him. He took them into their circle of interest, into his care. He called forth the crippled and the lame to come dance with him, the dance of faith. The poor widow, the dead son on the bier recorded in St. Luke's Gospel. And remember his dead friend Lazarus? He even talked to the dead, Lazarus, come out. Come forth into the marvelous light of new life and be unbound and renewed and join in the dance of living and breathing and moving again. And Lazarus did. I know life is hard at certain times. We all know. Sometimes it's more difficult than others. But the dance, says Jesus, must go on. David thought so. So it is essential for dancing the dance of faith, of maturation, what St. Francis called dancing the new dance of salvation. That one hosts great vats of fide or faith, what St. Peter called giving a lively account of the hope that is planted in you by the Holy Spirit from the beginning. Dance the new dance, the second chance, the third way, the tertium quid, the via media, the road less traveled. Whatever you call it, it's giving others a chance to be in your presence. And if they're not good at it, help them maybe. The grieving, the hungry, the forlorn, the blind, the deaf, the dead-footed, the cad, the bedraggled bed-dragger, the old man from the downtrodden honky-tonk, all have something to teach us, says Jesus. He had one thing in common with every human he met. He loved them divinely. Love is patient and kind. It is not arrogant or rude, says the epistle writer. So from Levi to Matthew, to little Zacchaeus, to Judas, to Mary of Magdala, to the sons of thunder, always arguing with each other, 
to his own brothers and sisters and his mother who thought he was crazy from time to time. He showed kindly affection to each and all. And if you think about it, he probably left his scent on every one of them because he hugged them. He touched them. The New Testament is very concerned that we know Jesus touched others because they are not untouchable. They were very alive and present and real to him. So he wanted to be real to them. And he wanted God to be real for all of us. What if we acted that way a little more? Planting spiritual happiness the way we go each day, dancing our schedule. Jesus met persons where and how they were at the precise moment. The garrison demoniac is in a graveyard. He had been chained because he was mad, beside himself. He had broken the chains. He's jumping from tombstone to tombstone. And Jesus walks up to him and just starts talking. No baggage, no grudges, no excess, no non-essentials. Hey, how's your crazy day going, crazy guy? Jesus begins in the instant of the holy now, on holy ground, wherever you stand. He started with acceptance, simply because the person was in front of them. No greater reason, because we're all children of God. With his dying breath, Jesus goes, Behold, John, your new mother. Mother, behold, John, your new son. Now get busy and work it out. Become a blended family. Become a new holy family for the sake of the church. John, take her in. Treat her as family or better. And St. John did. And Mother Mary was grateful dancing the new faith. I know there is the dolt, the unlovable, the basket case, the narcissist, the thug, the bully, the whiny, near-do-well, the sad sack. And some say, I'm not putting up with that. My point is, Jesus did. And he asked us to be his friends. So how do we show the little ones and the big ones and the old ones and the young ones how to be friends in Christ, to put up with do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Maybe there's a divine lesson, dear ones, in the hidden exchange of Christ in us. This is the first commandment, love God, and the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. So one B is you must love yourself to love others. That's why I come to places like this, St. Francis, again and again, to be reminded that the world is too much with us and that our spiritual values are supposed to be our starlight and our true dance and our deepest passion and our wondrous wantings. There's an old 60s song some of you will remember with me. 
I think Dionne Warwick sang one version of it. It offered, Lord, we don't need another mountain or a meadow. We just need love, sweet love. It's the only thing there's just too little of. I know these are hard words to hear, but we don't need more judgment in this world. I think we need more Christly acceptance and saintly affection and godly kindness. Christ is the way is not a saying. It's a rallying cry for how to live day to day, day by day. Verse 3 from hymn 304 puts it this way. As Christ breaks bread and bids us share, each proud division ends. That love that made us makes us one and strangers now are friends. There's another song I like. It's called Ain't Misbehaving. My favorite singer of it is Leon Redbone. It's simple and direct and has the chorus, Saving My Love for You. So think of St. Francis and St. Clair, how they saved their love for Christ and the church, and how Christ loves and said love saves. Actually, Jesus' name means God saves. It not only saves it redeems the entire universe. That's the whole Easter message. So I'm saving my love for my wife and friends and strangers and the church that I dearly love and for you. And I hope you will save your love for all those things as well. St. Paul said we are ambassadors of a divine ambassadorial gift, the divine approach. He didn't say, look at the small print. He said the divine ambassador loves. Love one another as I have loved you, said the teacher. Be dedicated and sincere and happy about it, says St. Bernard. And while you're at it, each of us striving forward on a crowded dance floor, dance as if saints. Dance the new faith because it changes the world and us with it. In Christ. <laughs>